I love that comment. I got a fever, and there's only one prescription. That's more intro. I love that. I love that. Greetings. I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. So glad to have you guys with us here live. And of course, happy to see, not see you guys that are going to be here on the rewatch. And of course, the audio only podcast. Checking in with us later. Before we start, if you're new to the channel, please hit that like button, subscribe, and the bell so you're notified whenever we go live. We're constantly adding new shows and doing cross streams with other channels. It's like last night, we did a show. You guys want to know it was coming. As always, thank you to the subscribers on YouTube and Twitch and the audio-only podcast formats you find us on. Also, thanks to our patrons. Collectively, you are the fuel and the engine that keeps TIR moving along. So if you're enjoying what we do and want access to the post-show champagne room, which we will be going in this evening, there's only one way. Become a patron for as little as $3 a month or $30 for the year. You can have access to champagne rooms past and present. Be part of the live virtual audience for the Pascal Robert-hosted Mau Mau Hour, which will be going down next Wednesday. And also, you get to join us for a movie night. So that sounds awesome. And can't forget, tickets are on sale now for the live book launch that I'll be at November 18th in Fairfield, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So wherever you're watching or listening to this show, there should be links in the description for that event. That being said, let me bring in the faceless voice of reason, M. Tucson. Hello, hello. Good to see you all. <laughs> Good to see I can see you. You can see me. We can't I can see you. Dr. Claw, who has called the show and has been part of this show for at least two years, at least two plus years, could punch me in the testicles. I would have no idea who it was. Yeah. No idea. I guess you have a lot of people who would punch you in the testicles. I think so. I don't you feel like, you know, you never know what people do, who you piss off, because we can't see them can't see him and then they have fake names <gasps> you know they buy tickets to the event it's like henry jordan you have no idea henry jordan is dr claw he has a little weird voice and then he's like it is me and then bam i thought dr claw was a real name i thought he was a doctor <laughs> a doctor that's on the end well we discussed it the other day and we decided we were going to open up the phone lines once again on this show for the main show we usually keep the phone lines for the patrons in the champagne room we haven't done it too much and the last time we did the phone lines how many hours did that show last for Tucson? three and a half hours jesus christ we're not going to do that again <laughs> keep your calls 10 minutes i was under strict orders strict Madame Toussaint, we were not going three hours because we are going to the champagne room where there's definitely some hilarity that will ensue. There's, we'll probably continue the conversation um, because we actually don't know which way this conversation is going to go because the one thing I do like opening up, about opening up the phone lines is you guys get to direct the conversation. 
Unlike last time, though, there is something I did want to talk about a little bit. Um, and in, and it's kind of about the right winning the messaging war. We've all said it on this show, and our guest this past Tuesday, Charles Durber, even wrote a book about it in 2018. But we don't have a left in this country, but we do have leftists, as my co-host Pascal Robert always says. Because of that, we have a bunch of people that may morally feel a certain way about an issue, but possess no real power to force changes to any real policies. For example, many people took to the streets to protest the overturning of Roe v. Wade as it marked an end to legal abortion. But as we said on this show about six months before the decision even came down, abortion was never codified in the law, and that right was always on shaky ground. Some conservative states already had several laws making it difficult or even uh, to even attempt to get an abortion or changing or charging women for felonies for f- fatal fetal accidents while pregnant. Take the 2019 Alabama case where a pregnant woman was shot during an altercation and another woman uh, altercation with another woman and her unborn baby died. The woman who was shot was actually charged with manslaughter, not the shooter, since authorities found that she did not keep the fetus out of harm's way. Again, this was years before the repelling of Roe v. Wade. What caused this ability to believe that fight was over with that titular decision in 1973 obama ran on codifying roe but never found the time was right to get it done for the most part the american people and definitely the democrats were okay with it because he was consistently under attack by the right were we all stuck in a liberal malaise of eight years of clinton's economic stimulation through exorbitant amounts of credit and deregulation was it the failure of the anti-war movement the 2008 economic crash and a feeling of powerless during the Bush years that allowed us to accept Obama's campaign promises uh, failures? Or was it the fear of the idea of a return to right-wing warmongering leadership? Whatever it was, we can't deny that a victorious liberal glee was present during the Obama years. But other than more black people and women in positions of massive political power, Roe was never codified in Obama's reluctance to address Hundreds of federal court vacancies allowed the following Trump administration to simply take a list from the Federalist Society and make a more conservative federal judiciary all the way up to the Supreme Court level. The right is better funded and more prepared to play the long game. They're strategizing for victory and attacking while we are simply reacting to more outrageous legislation and these anti-LGBTQ plus bills over 490 in the past year. Um, aren't only in red states. Again, this latest legal fight that includes the powerful Liberty Justice Center, those are the people that got the Janice decision done, uh, involved in, uh, on the behalf of the school district is happening in the Democratic supermajority state of California. And this is from an article in the Christian Science Monitor. The Chino Valley School United, uh, Unified School District is also one of the areas largest employers serving 26,000 students across 34 schools in Chino and Chino Hills. Just over 7% of the district's families live below the poverty line, slightly less than the national rate of nearly 9% for families. The ethnically diverse district is mostly Hispanic, 55%, Asian, 20%, and white, 12%. On July 20th, the school board, by a four to one vote, 
passed the policy that requires schools to alert parents within three days if their child takes any action to indicate a gender transition. That includes asking to be called by a different name, using a different bathroom, or asking to play on a sports team for a different gender. In some cases, parents would not be alerted if staff felt the student would be in danger according to the policy. What do you think of that policy, Tucson? Sorry? What do you think of that policy, Tucson? Policy sucks. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, you know. It's my expert opinion. Did I stop you from texting for like five seconds? That's why I get paid the big bucks. I was sorry. I was reading the chat. Why would you do that? I know. That's like, I know. You're killing me. A spokesperson for Mr. Bonta, that's Rob Bonta, the California State Attorney General, says California's lawsuit against the district is not questioning the role of parents in the lives of children. Rather, it is safeguarding students' physical, mental, and emotional well-being. While many transgender or gender nonconforming youth are fortunate to have parents or guardians who are accepting of their gender identity, others are not so lucky. His office wrote in an email, Chino Valley's forced outing policy endangers those who do not have accepting or supportive home environments and creates a discriminatory environment for gender nonconforming students. Nationally, 1.4% of students between the ages of 13 and 17 identify as transgender, according to data from the Williams Institute and UCLA School of Law. That figure actually drops to 0.5% of adults why do you think that the right is waging this war on such a small population of young people i'm trying to figure out why they felt it was important to put in that that figure drops to 0.5 percent of adults you think that's a bad thing to put in there i mean i got this from the christian science monitor like you have to keep that in your mind all right i think it's the idea that oh they changed their mind they're young mm-hmm. But also, it it could it could actually mean um, people are unaliving themselves, mm. Mm. not making it to adulthood. That's actually uh, I I didn't get to put that in the script, but uh, there was another study done that said that about um, trans youth are four times more likely to commit suicide. And of the study that they took, and I can't remember what school did the study. Uh, oh, it was Kaiser. It was Kaiser did the study, so it wasn't a school. Kaiser did the study. 30% of the trans youth in the study said they had faced homelessness. Heartbreaking. It is. It is. This is an extremely small, marginalized population. The right openly says they can't break through the California state legislature supermajority and they are taking their attack of the LGBTQ plus people to the school boards and they're gaining seats on these boards and a voice in the conversation around education and children's safety. For them, it's the left and Marxists in power. Now, these Marxists they speak of are simply liberal Democratic Party operatives. But since the U.S. waged a brilliant anti-communist campaign for the last three generations There's a lot of people that don't know about marx and what he believed many people can say they're marxists take the trained marxists of blm that line was used as proof to the right 
of what Marxist thought consists of when in fact the BLM project was deployed to kneecap real leftist redistributive policies in the name of not having a black agenda. We are in a moment of hyper politics and witnessing an overly politicized populace that only understands politics as choosing the right side. Just show me who the bad guy is. Good bad binary is proving disastrous in the face of the reality that through the early days of peak COVID, institutions lied and failed the American people. This deterioration of faith in government institutions helps to create a fertile field for the right to plant their seeds of dissent. And on that note, let's open up the phone lines and hear what you guys have to say. So, Tucson, be entertaining while I open up the phone line. I need to log in too, you know. (laughs) Be entertaining. Um, What did the snowman say to the other snowman? Does it smell like carrots in here? (laughs) I stole that from Cory Doctorow when um, Jason told him to be entertaining. (laughs) I guess I should just have a list of corny jokes (laughs) on hand for whenever uh, Jason says to be entertaining. I think that would work. I'm excited to see what's on uh, your minds tonight. (sighs) Lots of news. Lots of things going on in our personal lives. We're going to have to keep it to 10 minutes. Sorry about that. Now we're back. Phone lines are open. Phone lines are open. You know what you didn't do, Tucson? You didn't put the phone number on the screen. (laughs) Killing me. Sorry, Jason. Killing me. That joke was funny. This is smelling carrots. <laughs> because I had to like get up and figure out what was going on. That's when the whole system just went haywire. Yeah, that was a uh, good times. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wish I, that was not. That was the most not fun I think I've had since doing this show. We've had a lot of not fun moments on the show. <laughs> a lot of not fun moments. Someone said, um, I've got jokes about unemployment, but they don't work. Nice. We used to have the pimps, and I don't know where that went. I think we lost it for one of the other vulgar things that are on the soundboard that MT would like me not to press during the main show. And I will restrain myself. I will restrain myself from not pressing it. But bigger than that, we want to hear what you guys want to talk about. You do not have to respond to anything I said. I just wanted to get that out there. I would like to hear what you guys have to say about that. Though. If you do want to um, respond to that, I, I would definitely love to hear it. If you don't want to call in and respond to it, definitely leave a response in the comments. I will read it. I might even respond to you. Might not. Ooh. Might not. Sometimes people are mean. Never know. Crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. Every time I look at those comments, I'm always like. (laughs) It's fine. 
people so like have, you. We have some calls already. Do you want to um, push a call through? Calls already? It didn't yeah. log me in. You didn't? Oh my god. What's going god. on? Someone says Jason moves to Mexico and buys a Zorro outfit. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> See, this is why the show is great to listen to when you're like driving and working, but it's just a different experience when you're watching it with us live. We're Someone says, was the rim shot deleted in favor of hard candy? I think the rim shot was deleted. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I think actually let go of my penis is, is what... Uh, Oh God! I was able to use that yesterday, by the way, effectively. Sometimes it's not effective. I do hear that. That's why I haven't used it in hell long, and I was able to. I was like, oh, I almost said I was able to pull it out, but that would have been bad. Hey! <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> that would have been pretty bad. Well, do you want to push one of the calls through? Call has been pushed. Caller, what's your name? What's your, uh, where are you calling from? No, you got to tell them the area code. They don't know they, who they are. Area code. Air, calling from area code 617. Yo, is this me? Yes. Hey, how's it going, man? It's Juliano again. Hey. What's going on? Um, well, I mean, you started off with a pretty depressing topic, but I guess it's not that much more depressing than the one last week. So, yeah, the whole <laughs> uh, the rights winning the conversation about basically making life miserable for trans people. Well, everybody, you know, they're also winning the conversation. Everybody, yeah, but D definitely the, the trans that was a thing. good example. I wanted to use that as a good example because it's it's also part of a big discussion that always happens online. People get in fights over it. And I don't want to get into, you know, who is a what and what is a what. Like, let's just talk about the people that exist now and the war that's going on about the people that exist now. And think about an even broader conversation about the way we discuss crime, the way we discuss homelessness. Like, we're losing all these these battles and the right is winning. And they got legislation um, that's rolling things back to an era that I think many of us thought uh, was over. And it, and I guess it never really was. Yeah, it is very disturbing how quickly, sorry. Go ahead. It's very disturbing how quickly things have turned around. Like you were talking about friggin' police abolition like two years ago, and now it's how much like the 1990s can we possibly make this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really feel that way. I mean, yeah, it was really old enough to be cognizant of the way things were back then, but looking at it on retrospect, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is starting to seem very familiar historically. Mm -hmm. Like, we're getting all this tough-on-crime nonsense, the exaggerated details, and I mean, you know, I live in a pretty messed-up city. I'm not, like, ignorant of the fact that crime is a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I can remember a couple of years ago, the nice lady up the street found a corpse in her, in her trash can. It's... it's mm -hmm. you, 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 you can't really have, like well-formed opinions about these things if you don't live in areas where they happen. But mm. also, um, like, strict policing doesn't really make it better. It just makes it seem like somebody's doing something about it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. No, it does. I, th I think one of the worst... And I mean, 
Go go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, like go. <laughs> I think one of the worst things we can say is uh, when people say, "Well, 30 years ago, crime was way worse," because that kind of plays into the narrative that we were right with locking everybody up. Because then, I mean, if someone said that to me. And I, every time I hear that, someone goes, well, if we look at the numbers 30 years ago, we're a much more violent society. And it's like, OK, well, the solution to that was lock everybody up and put them under the jail for long periods of time, even redefine what violent crime is. That was the solution to that. Right. So if you're saying that that's a really bad way to talk. Right. <laughs> so like, we probably should like, go back three years. I'm go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, what I would say is like do a uh, do a comparison to like other countries where the police aren't absolute psychopaths and they have lower crime rates, and that seems like the most obvious thing. That sorry, I live in the city. I don't know if you heard that just now. This is fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, like, and I mean, you know, like people are gonna make all kinds of stories in their heads about why countries like Norway aren't like comparable to the United States, but like, I've seen what their jails look like, and they're nicer than apartments that I've been in. And like, you know, just having a comprehensive rehabilitation program that's actually a rehabilitation program and not either a, a labor camp or a torture factory would probably help mm -hmm. in terms of recidivism. Mm -hmm. And as for policing, I mean, obviously we're not going to get rid of cops like until we get the, the magical space communist utopia that we all want. And we're not going to be alive to see that anyway. So while we have cops, they should probably be from the neighborhoods that are their policing and they should have a more oversight. And like, it, it's one thing if you give them cameras and they can turn them off, but like half the time they don't need to turn them off because no one's going to do anything about the footage in the first place. There has to be like actual accountability. And you got these mayors that are basically terrified of their own police outfits. Like that needs to be like, the feds need to come down on that shit. Like you can't have police that are basically running government. Mm-hmm. Like L.A. Well, L.A. for a long time, it's a little yeah, Like L.A. or like New York. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know that it's that way in Boston. I've heard very conflicting stories about it. I don't actually live in Boston. I live in a city next door to it. But mm -hmm. I mean, our cops are relatively like, I feel like the crime in where I'm from has been so consistently bad for so long that they have better things to do than fuck with people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. I know what that's like. They're like preoccupied dealing with yeah. like, daily overdoses and shootings and it really it's like let me put it this way i've been pulled over like twice in my life for like committing like vehicle related crimes because you know like speed limits and the massachusetts data aren't exactly the most adhered to things but mm -hmm. usually you do push the limit and yeah no it, it it's very rare to get pulled over like around here or do anything even minor shit like the cops just don't have the patience no, I get it. That's kind of like where I grew up in uh, Richmond, California. At least really didn't uh, mess with us. Uh, it wasn't until I started traveling as a slightly older person and going to places like Los Angeles where the police were more like a gang um, mm. that I really saw. But New York, definitely, I dealt with uh, cops on a level that was very foreign to me, again, growing up where I grew up. Um, uh, I, I think when we think about kind of uh, a Nordic model when it comes to rehabilitation. We also have to keep in mind that regardless of what you're doing in your rehabilitation center. So for example, uh, Mayor or Governor Gavin Newsom 
has proposed to turn California state prisons into quote unquote rehabilitation centers and really has a rehabilitation mindset with the prison system, right? You can get a college degree in prison in California. That being said, you're also, you know, kind of deployed with no services. I think you get like $200 when you get out and it's like, go figure it out. You got to sit in the yeah, and that's the other right? half of the whole Nordic thing. They have like a con- comprehensive yeah. social safety net and they have services for you on the outside, not just the inside. And that's, I mean, we basically need to rework all of society at once <laughs> to fix these problems because there's no like one simple trick to solve like the crime issue because crime is a complicated thing. And, and that's one of those things where the messaging, in my opinion, gets hard to do because we, we see things in absolutes on, on both sides of the political issue, I believe. Um, for example, uh, Tucson has said this uh, several times, um, more so to me. I don't know how much she said it on the show, and maybe she'd like to elaborate. But the idea that we could fix all problems by just defunding the police. Um, do you want to kind of explain that more, Tucson? I don't want to step on you or misquote you. Well, sure. There was an idea that we would fix all the problems by defunding the police. We would divert all the funds all to the right places. We would give social workers guns or swords or whatever, and that would make everything better. I don't know. It was it was magical thinking. And and it and it's that same magical thinking, in my opinion, that you know causes us not to be able to say this is a long-term problem and you're not going to fix it in five years you're not going to fix it in one mayoral or gubernatorial administration it's going to take time we're going to make errors along the way but some of these policies we shouldn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater because we don't see an instant success yeah and like just just in terms of defunding the police i mean I kind of agree in principle that's part of a larger program, but uh, the cops are basically a heavily militarized gang. And we saw what happened when you tried to defund them. They just like refused to do their jobs at all. Yep. Just like as big, as big babies tend to do. And then crime went up and they're like, Oh, see what happens? Like you need to actually put the screws to those guys. You can't like just, it's like when they, this is a weird comparison, but it's like when they did debathetization in Iraq and all the Iraqi army guys are basically told to go home. Like what, what happened? They immediately, they, they formed basically the predecessor of ISIS. Like you can't, you, you need to deal with the violent trained men that are used to being able to do whatever they want with a gun, essentially is what I'm saying. Well, that should have been part of the plan, right? What do you do after that messaging actually wins a political foothold? And the messaging did win a political foothold to kind of reallocate money to different departments. Um, and then it just had a mode of, of cops not liking it. So I don't know if it's as simple as yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was as simple as like cops just didn't do anything. I, I, I will say that did happen. But you also have to keep in mind that also a lot of uh, municipalities started to change what was going to be considered uh, a criminal offense. So in California, mm. you change what's grand theft. So anything under, I think, like $950 or $1,000 um, is like a misdemeanor. So that's when you see those people like bust into the stores and they steal a bunch of stuff. It wasn't even $1,000 worth of stuff they were stealing. Right. And now we're talking about, about what you stole and what the street value is. 
and it, it pales in comparison to how much money people are making with the flow of, of cheap cocaine from, from South America. Um, there's no way in the world you could steal from enough Walmarts um, to to make up what even maybe one street corner in Los Angeles was making in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah, no, like, this is this is all small-time stuff, and these people are desperate, and that's, like, that, that comes comes back to the underlying problem of, like, what causes crime, and the answer is usually given simply poverty. We heard incredibly poor society, incredibly unequal society, and an incredibly desperate society, and you have the combination of people who either don't have enough money or are stressed from working, like, five different jobs, and they're, like, one bad conversation away from going postal and shooting a place up. It's... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, obviously you're going to have increased levels of crime. And like after COVID, when everybody was basically cooped up for periods of time or had to work even harder because they weren't allowed to because they were like, you know, essential. But do you think, like, do you think you, everybody you people as a society long enough? Sorry. But do you think every I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you think everybody, though, that robbed all those stores had babies crying in the room and were a day away from losing everything? Oh, of course not. And, and I think that's, exactly. And I think that's part of the messaging war that we're really not good at because we kind of mythologize crime as everyone is a very poor person with a dirt smudge face that has to steal, you know, food to survive. And while that does happen in some cases, the pictures that people were seeing were not of the random unhoused person, you know, pocketing food that they were going to eat later in their encampment. It was cats stealing shit because they wanted to steal shit. And yeah, exactly. How, and, and, and how do I we mean, address how do we address this kind of feeling of uh, I think what did Durkheimer call it uh, the rulelessnessnessnessnessness enemy? How do we ex- how do we talk about this when we always have to mythologize what we think uh, criminal behavior consists of? Well, I mean, we got to stop doing that. We got to be real about what's happening. But the problem with any left-wing messaging will always be: what we have to explain is the truth, which is way more complicated than like put them under the jail, which is what any conservative will say. Like they have a very simple message that they can get across, and it's appealing to people because it's simple. We have to explain why society's fucked, and that's not easy. Yeah, I mean, we have to explain why there is there is a, a darkness. Um. In, in a lot of our, our inner city areas. And I, and I think we have a problem with that messaging. I don't know all the right words, to be honest with you. You know, that's, again, while I try to have these conversations, because I think we learn when we have these things together. So, Yeah, I think we just need to, I mean, we need to expose the fact that conservatives are lying with their simple messaging. We need to explain that these things are actually more complicated before we can then explain them. Because otherwise people will think they were just talking their ears off. Like, yeah, we need to just, you know, like treat people like adults and explain to them to the extent that they're able to listen to us what is actually happening. And like, yeah, some people are just stealing shit just to steal shit because they got, they're, they're fucked up. But why are they fucked up? I mean, like you go back long enough and there usually is like a story behind that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like I'm not saying we should like make heroes out of criminals, but at the same time, you know, they're still human beings and something happened to them to cause them to be criminals. And, you know, these are factors in society that have to be examined and approached and dealt with. At least that's the way I look at it. That's fair. I have no problem with that. Toussaint, do you concur? I concur. 
<laughs> well, thank you very much for the phone call. We are going to move on and get some more of these calls. No problem. Thank you. Hey, have a good night, brother. Have a good night. What do you think, Tucson? Good call. Good call. That's a, You know what? Good call. That's a good, that's a good way. You know what? You need to bat lead off from now on. Okay. I don't know <laughs> what that means. Like, no, the caller needs a bad lead off. You effed up when you weren't prepared and you were checking your text messages. I was looking at I was the chat. To talk to you. chat looking at the chat. Chat is wearing a low cut shirt tonight. <laughs> oh god i'm so mad at you i couldn't help it i'm so <laughs> trying to be serious here talk about the problems in the community and you over here looking at titties <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you people think I'm the menace. It's a hot chat. It's the hot <laughs> chat. Yeah, the, <laughs> chat, the chat has a BBL. <laughs> it has a BBL and a low cut shirt. <laughs> I was powerless to stop myself. <laughs> oh my god. You wanna you wanna Wanna... Yeah, let's do the next call. Jesus Christ. Do you think? Calling from a 216 area code. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Dr. Claw. Oh! Calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Dr. Claw. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm okay. Don't punch me. How you doing, MT? Doing good. Doing good. No, um, it's far, no, I'm not going to punch you in the balls. If I were to do something like that, you would absolutely know it was me. Uh, <laughs> I'm a very distinctive person in person. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'll apologize in advance because I'm going to go all over the place with this these commentary. But I want to start with um, some of the recent episodes that I've enjoyed. Um, the October 5th Champagne Room with uh, John Graham. Um, MT was in rare form in that <laughs> campaign room. I was laughing my ass off, like the patchouli common <laughs> had me dying. <laughs> um, I actually enjoyed this before episode. I really enjoyed the episode with Corey Doctorow. Um, he hits on so many things that I dislike about the current everything is rent economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, recently, uh, my, you know, on top of my actual rent, these motherfuckers tried to charge me eight ninety five or however much a month for some kind of service that um, these how often how on time you're paying your rent and everything. I'm just like, um, no, wow. you had to call these jabronis to like cancel. I'm just like, man. No, you're not paying. Ask me to pay rent on top of rent. Get out of here. <laughs> that is weird. Well, that really hit home. Yeah. I one of the things I thought was really cool, and I'm actually going to leave a lengthy comment on that doctoral episode because he touched on it. Was talking about how some of the things you kind of take for granted, like you know how 
uh, Apple got Microsoft Office apps to work on their computers. Yes. Would it be absolutely illegal now under the DMCA? Which is, if you talk about the events that happened in my lifetime that kind of radicalized me, that DMCA, I remember that in real time, and I just had disdain for everybody who voted for that pilot plan. And now we can see some um, 20 plus years on how much of a pile of crap it actually has been. Um, and recent, well, I'll, I'll bring that up later. Um, the, uh, but what I wanted to talk about was um, uh, last night, uh, I think it was last night or earlier, yeah, it was last night, the uh, Red Zone show. You know, I always enjoy it when you and Max talk about sports, but also the stories around mm-hmm. sports. Every once in a while, every Mac will come up with this wild story that just goes off the rails and it's hilarious. The whole bit about um, the, the cologne that smells like crap, that was, that was gold. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, but I do have some comments about some of the things that were said there. Um, I think, um, first of all, his portrayal of the average Browns fan is dead on, and I, you know, that he lived in Northeast Ohio because of that. But lately, in the last year, I mean, I've lived here for twenty years, so I did, did this in real life a lot. But especially in this last couple of years, last year, um, I've been commiserating a lot with Browns fans, um, particularly on you know Twitter and in the spaces, and they kind of know me from that now. And um, you know, uh, the whole Watson topic is one of those things where. Um, I kind of diverge from the liberal progressive consensus about him as a potential off the court. And all I'll say about that is the, the two flashpoints that got us to the point where the controversy went to fever pitch were two things that happened in secret. Um, his, uh, the, well, actually three things. The first thing was his, you know, when the whole NFL protests were happening with Kaepernick himself. He actually said, um, and there were some comments made by the owner, he had said publicly that he wasn't with that and was also you know, really calling him out. Of course, that probably didn't go well with the video game bosses that run this, that, that league in any way. But that was strike number one. And then uh, strike number two was um, when uh, the Texans, for some reason, after becoming a playoff team. Decided they were going to blow the thing up. Mm-hmm. Everybody's getting traded. And Deshaun committed the most cardinal sin that he could have committed. And that was withdrawing his leg. He straight up said, I'm not playing. You know, trade me. And almost like clockwork, boom goes to dynamite. I think that was something that was said in the It was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there, then that happened. And I don't think you can really discount that, but regardless of the truth of the matter, and to be very clear, nobody knows what that is at this point because we never got a chance to actually adjudicate that properly. Um, the, the, the bottom line is that he did get himself in that position that he could have avoided being vulnerable as he was in that moment where he decided to withdraw his labor. And it's a similar um it's a similar topic that I brought up. Now some people understand it, but I, there was a similar time I brought this up when the whole Kyrie Irving thing went down. Now, him linking to that video and exposing 
regular, you know, the rest of America through black nonsense. Yeah, that was dumb. Probably should have gotten fined or whatever for it. But I, I started to change my tune and really get upset when the ADL got involved. Like, you don't need to call bring black most strong They don't have, they should not be a part of this conversation. And one of the things I said in that situation is that Kyrie and Kanye before him, but mostly Kyrie, lost sight or was completely ignorant to his relationship to the means of production. That is to say, don't matter how rich you are individually, um, these people, the people that actually own the capital, that pay your money, the people that pay you all this money in endorsements, if you do something that they don't like, you're just like everybody else who has a job. They can cut you off right then and there. Now, as we look into the, and I'm gonna veer off a little bit, so pardon me on this. So now that we are in the latest iteration of the Israel-Palestine conflict, um, we're starting to find out that um, some other, you know, more people are either very cognizant of their relationship to the means production, <clears throat> LeBron James, or um, a, a recent, you know, one situation that I thought was absolute bullshit. So there is a writer. Um, so the end in the NBA, when the, you know, when the, when the uh, Hamas attacks started happening and then, you know, all the usual propaganda stuff getting fed out there, the NBA universally started putting up, you know, support. We stand with Israel. We stand with this. And I was like, oh, God, please do not bring this into my basketball. Please don't. <laughs> but um, one guy who writes, who was, or did write for the Philly Boys, Jackson Frank, who I think is one of the genuinely good guys in media, NB basketball media. He actually not only does he have good takes and good analysis, he's also not one of those guys who tends to write assholia when he's talking about these athletes and you know he's been on podcasts I like listening to about basketball. And I just thought he was a really good guy. Well he just said like in you know basically when they the Sixers, the team he covered, um and actually moved out there to write for them, um put up their Israel support. He quote tweeted and said, "This is not cool. This sucks. Come on, guys, do better." And of course, Philly boys just cut him off immediately. And I just found it kind of ironic that um, when in the less savory situations, like the Kyrie situation, when you make the point that, or even the Watson situation, like when you make the point that um, you lose sight of your relationship to the means of production. Like, I'll give Max some credit on the whole Watson topic by acknowledging that the Texans had a, a very significant role that they don't talk about, knowing and enabling mm. and setting up, even setting up some of those situations. And um, the fact that the organization knew that, you know, they could put something on him, he lost sight of that. And when he decided to do what I consider was a courageous thing, and you see it, it's routine in basketball. Like, in, in sports. We saw it with um, Kobe when he said when yeah. the Lakers weren't doing what they were supposed to do. You know, they're like, well, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I want to get traded out of here. Giannis has been softly saying or kind of hinting at, hey, we need to do something with this team so that um, I, before I start looking somewhere else to go. Well, they responded by, we're going to get Dane Lillard for you. You know, and you know, um, 
those guys know where they sit, but those guys lost sight of what they said, and they paid dearly for it. Well, kind of, you know. But, um, you know, uh, the, the that aspect of the whole discussion just gets dismissed because of the, uh, the salacious nature of everything. And, I, you know, I kind of think now that some people that were, you know, banging the drum about getting this guy out of here, then you saw what happened to Jackson, and I was just like, dude, this is exactly why. And it, this whole week, I, I it just, these last couple of weeks has been really frustrating. And, you know, I have not tweeted a single thing about it. I have been very quiet about it, but I think people know where I stand. I think more people should educate themselves as to the history of that particular nation state. For example, doing things like aiding uh, South Africa, and, you know, showing the news and stuff like that. They should really educate themselves on that. But it's just been very disappointing from seeing people in the left. And not, not even taking a nuanced stance. It's basically sounding like, you know, your garden variety, like, quote unquote liberal. I call them quote unquote liberal. There's just really nothing liberal about it. <laughs> you know, it's really, it, it's just really, um, it's just really um, crazy. So, you know, but again, even though we might have disagreements with that, I really like love the analysis. I love the talking about, um, stuff, you know, my Eagles are struggling because of the offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> that's really the most controversial thing about them. <laughs> um, your Broncos, I know you talked about it recently. I think you guys came to a pretty good conclusion with Sean Payton and just the, the state of the team and just like get the fire sale going, <laughs> get recoup some draft capital, do what you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, as constructed, it's just like, it's not working, and it's kind of impressive. you know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know you guys didn't get to t- talk a lot about go deep into the, the college football, but mm-hmm. I just want to pick up my Tar Heels who are sick to know. I do think your analysis of Mac Brown and the defense in particular is on point, um, but they've really offensively they've really been really good. Look, they really look really good. Like they played um, Miami. And aside from like some lazy defense in the um, fourth quarter, they, they were just dominating. I was like, wow, this team is better than I thought they were. And I hope they continue it up. Hey, um, well, Mac, and I, kind of, Mac and I both agree that never trust a North Carolina quarterback. I mean, like, I don't, look, I, look, I don't ever, <laughs> I don't ever, um, I have realistic expectations of what this team will do. Like I'm just used to them being kind of like you know, middle yeah. pack, whatever. Yeah. But when they do good things, you know, I, I like to see it. And um, I think Drake is he, Drake May. He's going to end up somewhere. Um, hopefully, on a team that I dislike. Speaking of which, um, I'm kind of on the Penix to the Patriots train. Because um, you know, um, you know, Matt Jones' confidence levels have dipped. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Patriots have like way more problems with the QB. Um, they have needs, particularly. They need to have more. Um, they need to have better wide receivers. Yeah, I like their tight end, but like there's so many things with that offense that not right. And um, I also agree with the idea that like, you know Belichick, you know, they, I mean, I I don't think he he's gonna make you they probably do need to get a natural GM because um, just his choices and ideas for who should be staffing like stuff with my receivers, it's just not not working for them. And then they're also in a division 
where you have to deal with at least two teams and possibly a third one in the Jets once whatever happens with their quarterback situation, you know, happens. Like, they're going to be, like, really fighting to be competitive in that division. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's about that fun time of the year. Um, but NBA, um, yeah, NBA, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, interesting topics. Again, on the Israel topic, my Cavaliers played the, um, uh, a, a team from Israel, uh, I think it's Maccabee, Lanana, and totally whooped their ass, and I was happy to see that. Shout out to Monty Bates and Craig Porter Jr., two promising rookies that uh, won't be in the starting lineup, but might be someday. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, like what I saw from them. Um, but kind of on a general note, um, outside of this, because I thought there were some other good topics on top of topics, and that's why I appreciate the discussions you have on this show about um, one thing I thought was really cool that you know, Coach Will said, F this AAU stuff, if you want to come through this neighborhood, these areas, and you want to play competitive basketball, go through us, don't go through the mother people. Mm-hmm. I like that he did that. That was really cool. Um, and uh, what else was I going to say? This is something... It was something that, oh, yeah, um, I think it was when Ben Burgess was on the show. Uh-oh, that guy. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it was. You guys were, there was a, a side comment about Los Angeles and uh, specifically around the whole, like, um, district attorney's office and, you know, the, the 90s, you know, LAPD trial that happened in Simi mm-hmm. Valley mm-hmm. to ensure a certain outcome. And the thought that I said, and I think I might have said this in the chat, is that Gil Garcetti does not get criticized as loudly as he should be. Maybe I'm pretty sure people in Los Angeles have a lot of things about him, but nationally, no. I think with three pretty high-profile cases, at least, that we all know, including that LAPD case, the thing that I think is the most... Um, uh, just the most the pernicious thing about him, the most like revolting thing about him is that a lot of the actions he took, and he's not unique in this, but a lot of the actions he took as district attorney were um, meant to, uh, it were vain attempts at rehabilitating the image of the LAPD. Mm-hmm. Who, um, you know how Dallas Cowboys are called like America's team mm-hmm. in football? Well, the LAPD was like America's police department. But they were always the TV, like the cops mm-hmm. you would see on TV. Chips. Like Adam 12, Dragnet, Chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of those shows, those cop shows before like the, really the 80s maybe, like mm-hmm. later in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like they were all sitting like Los Angeles or in that Southern California. Mm-hmm. And that, the uprising in the 90s, the Rodney Kings and just all the stuff that led up to all that stuff completely sunk the national reputation of it. Like when you like now, as you should, when you say LAPD, not good things are mm-hmm. associated with it. Um, but like every case, like so many cases, including the OJ case, that one was a really big one um, because of the things that um, didn't really make it to the newsrooms, or at least were kept out of the newsrooms, which I think our city had a lot to do with, um, among some others. But I've read in various books about the trial. Um, 
really exposed Garcetti as one of those guys who was out there just to get W's on the scoreboard for the state of California and and particularly rehabilitating image of the LAPD all the effed up things that we're doing and continue to. And, you know, if, you know, he stepped, he's been gone, long gone from that office. But, you know, family still is active in California politics. And, you know, you know, you, if you've read any of my tweets, you know that I'm very critical of California politics. And it makes me seem that I'm just like so harsh on them, particularly them in New York. It's not like the, you know, the usual MAGA. So, oh, yeah, the, the, the commies that run this stuff. You know, it's, no. Anybody who lives there knows that's not the case. Um, and, you know, it, it just kind of highlights some of my frustrations with the way the public responds to some of these things, even comedy make communists that mm. um, respond to some of these things because of the salacious nature of these things. It really frustrates me because you don't take the time to look back into the actual facts. And that's like the thing that usually sets me off. And every time I read a joke or a certain take about a certain case or this or other thing, I just reach for my tall boy of uh, liquid death and just chug it down in one go because I'm in the slam the can down on the desk and I'm just like, go. Jesus. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. Um, Do you have any final thoughts? Say, you know, I've been really preaching. Yeah, I just wanted to call and say I really appreciate what you guys are doing as I always do. You've had some really great materials, some really great guests. I even saw um, uh, Larson from Secret Galaxy, who's been on the show a couple of times. He showed up on Retro RGB. It's one of those channels I like to watch. And it kind of all ties into the um, Dr. Rowe, you know, bad home braze, like, you know, mm -hmm. reverse engineering things and making cool things out of it. Um, and it's like seeing these worlds collide. But yeah, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. You guys have had some hilarious, great commentary, uh, great and vital commentary from all kinds of topics. And, you know, there's, I've been working crazy hours this month, but I go back and tune in. I got to say again, MT, go back and listen to yourself on the October 5th Champagne Room. That was hilarious. <laughs> A lot of stuff you were saying. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, MT, you're hilarious all the time. Oh, thank you. Cause you had me cracking up today. What was the song? <laughs> and you turned it into a simple mind you song. Me right round. <laughs> no, was it? <laughs> we need to stop having inside jokes. <laughs> we, last night I showed Mac the video on the main show of the white chick with the with the super uh, asymmetrical bob cut. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. <laughs> I, th I think that's might have what got started down the MLK Pog Chaser rabbit hole. There we go. That'll do. We it. need we need more MLK Pog Chaser. <laughs> But we created also Harriet Tubman on the black Amex card character. And that, that was that was a one off. We cannot do that again. Inflammatory. That was definitely like You know how when you're on the show for so long, you forget that oh, this is on the internet forever? Like this isn't <laughs> one of our private conversations. <laughs> right. You get way too comfortable and you're like, Oh my god, we I totally 
Harriet Tubman impersonation. Like I'm, I don't remember the episode in which we had the Harriet Tubman black card as the backdrop. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad no one else does. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long, it was like three years ago. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. You weren't even on the show then. I wasn't. I wasn't. If anything happened before you were on the show, forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. Forget about it. Dr. Claw, thank you so much for that for that phone call. Um and reminding us of how fun that champagne room was. That was uh I want to go back and listen to it. Dr. Claw says, Hey yo, that haircut was nuts. That's still like my favorite little She's got three biracial children, and they're all. <laughs> I just want to say John Graham was really funny on the, the champagne room as well. That was the, that was that one, right? Yep. Dude, he because he's a nut. He's a nut. He's like TIR fam. Yes, he is. One good. of the best. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, good people. Not so. One of the best comments. I got was I went on, went on the popular show, mm-hmm. that podcast, the popular show, and the first thing the host says, he goes, every time we turn on TIR, you guys are always having a good time. Yeah. And I just want to be where the good time is. He goes, most people want to be where the good time is, and I want everyone like listening right now to know, you guys are part of the good time. Like this is a huge, you know, hangout with a few thousand of your best friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get to our last caller. Last caller. Last caller, baby. Not me. Hello. Okay. Here. Calling from a five five nine area code. Caller, what's your name? What are you what's on what's on your mind? <laughs> I don't oh. I lost my place. <laughs> Jason knows about that. Oh, dude, this this my whole opening monologue is literally because of five, five, nine. Literally. There, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing copyrighted here, so it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. That that there's a five five well, good, nine. good evening. I wanted I was I was in that area coming back and I was like oh man you know I I do want to pull off, and because I have a cousin a first cousin that actually lives in the area as well and I was like I, I want to pull off and hang out there's like people here I want to see and meet, and then I just go I I have to get out of here I have to get out of here. I just I your gut reaction is usually correct when it when it comes to that so. <laughs> it's like you know some mm-hmm. i want you so bad and then i was like ah, well, there's not pl- yeah. well there'll, there'll be plenty of time and especially maybe if the earthquake happens there'll be beachfront property right <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> is that what is that what everyone in clovis is waiting for I think so. That and then for all the, you know, non-whites to leave or something like that. that you know, who, you, you hear rumors, but. <laughs> well, what's going on, brother? Oh, boy. Well, I'm just trying to take a break and listen to finally had a chance to listen to the show live and was just going to try to contribute. The, um, I loved the 
the sports talk um, last night, and I was going to say, you know, Coach Prime, you know, it, it, it happened the way, well, those, you know, I kind of figured it would. Hey, you shock and awe, you beat a really good team, um, you beat a pan, you know, kind of a, a patsy, but then you reach your, you know, you choke with Oregon, but then you kind of come back and then stay. We'll see what they do afterwards because, I mean, we'll see what kind of a coach he is. I think he's going to be okay. He's going to kind of figure it out, even though he's, his press conferences leave something to be desired. But um, anyhow, that's that, that, that's neither here nor there. I was going to um, going to comment uh, mostly on because um, you know you hear a lot of in the um, in the, the the Twitter sphere and whatnot, and you know how the right wins. Well, the right wins so much because they connect with the live reality. You know, they they don't deny somebody like what they're seeing. Um, not only that, they don't give a shit whose name is on the letterhead. And what I mean by that, it's kind of like, cause I, I hear a lot of people, I have, you know, around some pretty militant, you know, Mexicans, blacks, Asians. And it's like, unless there's specific names on the letterhead or on the, this or on the, that, um, Oh, it's crap. Oh, it's not for us. It's not. <laughs> and, I, and you just have to sit back and think, you're insane. Like, and just all it comes, all it, all it turns into it at that point, you're not talking to them. You're talking to the people around them because there's people around them that don't buy into that shit as enthusiastically as they do. And it's important to kind of know when, and you know, it's a little bit of an art to know that because you know, not every time is a time to, you know, go and like, Oh, you know, Oh, you are this and that. And that. no, just maybe let it go. If you don't have a good quip, if you don't have a good comeback, you know, like MT, just just let it go. You know, live the fight another day. You're better off not saying anything than saying something really stupid and condescending. Because then you've lost them forever. They didn't get, it doesn't matter what you say after that. They're gone. Mm-hmm. But that's, the, that's what the right does. They don't care. They just want the job done. And if their name's not on the letterhead... So what? Because look where they're at now. This didn't happen overnight. And because the one thing that I actually found interesting, because I'll listen to a lot of different things, and I, you know, every once in a while you got to get your daily dose of, or weekly dose of batshit crazy. So you listen to like Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you do, I don't recommend it, but I'll just so other people don't. Yeah, you find something very interesting about old Steve Bannon. I don't know how, how much he's on, you know, broadcasting his, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. But let's just say he's 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You only hear about the fire and brimstone, but the fire and brimstone would surprise a lot of people to know that's a small part of what he does. He is a very different guy when you listen to him on a regular basis. He's not very con- He's not condescending. When he's talking to somebody he's trying to convert or to get to his side, Jason, you are of a right to feel the way you do. You see those people over there? They're usually on the left. They, they, you know, they don't like you. They think that what you're going through is a piece of shit because you're white mm-hmm. and they will berate you about that. Well, you're white. And I mean, cause I think Zine um, was on, uh, in fact, I think this Barbara Fields, I saw another, um, you know, talk that she was giving to, mm-hmm. um, basically said, well, they still have white privilege, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you, you're done. You are absolutely, and they wonder why they lose. But the sad part is, People like that, if you could even call them people, you know, they're okay with losing because they're self-righteous. 
they've won because they've made the self-righteous argument and it's not about winning them. It's about just, you know, no different than, you know, put, put them in a hood, you know, in, in a white robe and they're, they're basically no different. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the, when you get to the meat and potatoes of it, the, the vast majority, and that's why I think a lot of these things are working. You know, the writer's guild or the, um, Oh, who's that that just won? Because I, I get them mixed up with the, the writers, screen actors. The writers, no, the screen the actors writers. are still. The screen yeah, actors are still the writers. Yeah, the writers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but see, that stuff's working. And not only is that working, the auto workers is working. In fact, um, you know, we can, we can dicker over a lot of the, a lot of the details and the tact and the tactics, but see, people don't act, you know, they forget that we're in a media environment that is incredibly anti-labor anti-worker, anti-union. And to, as far as I'm concerned, the way they're doing it is good because you got to get rid of that initial onslaught because, you know, you go hard, fast and heavy, buddy, you can't hit hard enough. There, there's no way you're going to hit hard enough and people aren't going to starve, you know, for some, for some, you know, for somebody's like, you know, um, radical chic wet dream. So, mm. um, mm. once we do that, and I think that's starting to happen slowly, but surely, sorry, go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you. Yes. Oh, and and see, that's you know, that's not sexy. It's not going to get you, you know, on the evening news. But I think that's what's going on in the the in the work that I do. Um, I deal with a lot of business owners. I do taxes, you know, business planning and stuff like that. So I deal with. I have a wide variety of um, people who are Trumpers or not, you know, and everywhere in between. I've actually, it's funny, Doctor Claude brought up. Um, I've heard California before, and the one time that I actually responded to that, and again, it's just it was at the right place at the right time. Just you know, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And typically, they don't even know what they mean. Well, they they because they give you know money from rich people into poor people. Are, are you sure? <laughs> Doesn't do anything for them. Are they still rich? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 because it seems to me you got to remember. California, you mean the state that brought us Reagan, Nixon? Yep. Who was the last state to legalize weed? Not Cal, you know, the first state to legalize weed, not California. Yep. Have you been to the Central Valley or Orange County? It's just little things like that starts kind of turning it around because I'm sure you've probably gotten the same thing. You know, they find out you're from California. Oh, then they automatically have a predetermined stigma of what you believe, think, or whatnot. And if you show them just a little bit, I mean, I'm sure you saw that when you were in North Dakota, um, it, that changes minds and that's powerful. And, it, and it's little, little situations like that. It's that interaction, sharing the same airspace. That's what's going to do it. It's not all that crap on Twitter. It's not all that crap online. You know, the whole destroy docs, they've heard is, you know, the term being used, mm. um, you know, because what, what have they elected? You know, in fact, mm. one of the things I'll just comment real quick. I, I love the Bernie hate because mm. to me anymore, and this is just, you know, solidified itself over the years. It's because they're so jealous that he did something that they couldn't even begin to think about doing. You know, like a Jean Baraka. I like that guy, but you know, just what he posts sometimes on Twitter, it's like, Oh Lord. Okay. I get it. You gotta, you know, stay relevant somehow, but like some of these other guys, you just, you think if you can't build on that, if you can't take that and learn from it and, and, and what to do, 
thank you for not being very relevant at all. Thank you for not being able to, you know, do what, you know, do what you do. Just keep doing what you're doing. Whatever it is you're doing, I want you to keep doing it. Because then the rest of us that have to work for a living are going to take care of the rest. Because at the end of the day, we're all workers. You know, that's the one thing I think you've even seen that with, um, like with athletes, um, especially with, uh, you know, the health problems. Uh, hey, they're, they're, we're the, they're the, they're the equipment, mm-hmm. you know, they get depreciated mm-hmm. and as cold as that sounds, that's exactly right. I mean, in fact, a good movie is, um, if you guys have ever seen North Dallas 40. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Very, very good. So that, that was like any given Sunday before any given Sunday. And I think it was a bit more real. Any given Sunday was based off North Dallas 40. Oh, is that right? Yep. Very large inspiration. Yeah, I, I believe it. But the, okay, yeah, I, I, I believe it. But then you know, the, I think the most important scene that they left out was the, you know, where he was talking to him at the end, and it's like, yeah, hey, we're the equipment. We're the, you know, we get depreciated. They're the ones that, you know, basically make all the money. And it's kind of like, um, well, like with the auto workers, you can't be, you can't be running the damn uh, company like that. And this is the thing that I mean, I've actually told a couple of clients that were. Um, quasi anti Well, you know, what's, I don't know what these guys are, you know, why are they demanding this? And, you know, do they get all the, you know, do, do they want the, um, you know, on the downside? And I said, well, the downside, they lose their job mm-hmm. and dead silent and they make the cars. So what does the CEO do besides look pretty and collect a shitload of money that he doesn't deserve that kind of slipped out, but they were at least listening. And it's, and it's again, stuff like that. You gotta, you gotta acknowledge the lived reality. Then, okay, now you got credibility because you're not telling me that, you know, the the sky's not blue, the air's not dirty, and you're gonna try to explain to me. Well, see, Jason, the juxtapositional manifestational ramifications of <laughs> the man, what he does to your mind, confounds your eyesight. So then, all you see is through the lens of white supremacy. Oh Jesus. That was, like a <laughs> that was good. That sounds like a so, that Tucson. I'll tell you that's why I'm looking for the the white yoga teacher. <laughs> yes, that that is a that's a power couple. There you go, man. Um, she's got to be like the, the Karen is Karen. Yes, yes, very. All lives matter bumper sticker. <laughs> and then just have a little Mackay and you know or um. You know, just come up with with the weirdest sounding name you've ever thought of, oh, or, or 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 something just like you know. No, no more kids, no more kids. I, I'm pulling out way early. No more kids. <laughs> oh, fair. All right, fair enough. But then, but you, you, you still got to leave. There's still still a lot you can get out of it. So there you go. Um, <laughs> shot across the bow, man. There it is. Let's just make it happen. <laughs> Thank you very much for the call. <laughs> You got it. You guys do keep keep up the good work. You guys have a good night. Have a good night. You, you too. All right, Tucson, we did it. That was we fun. That was that was a crazy call. <laughs> was there was a lot of there was a lot of things I wanted to say in in response to that. Um, you know, I, Jamu comes on the show. We're we're all cool. Um, I get you know Pascal. I kind of wish he was here. I don't want to speak on behalf of him, but I'll just yeah, I'll just shut up. Pascal definitely has his critiques. Um, 
there's something to be said about people that hate Bernie to hate Bernie. I think hating Bernie is like um, hating anything that's popular. Hmm. Much like hating AOC. I mean, go ahead. It's interesting. I was just watching a video about Balenciaga. And okay. they were the ones who stole the Bernie logo to make the uh, Balenciaga logo. Really? And they were like, you know, obviously we're aware of the political situation in the United States, but we just took it because it was popular. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 uh it's insane when we think about like how popular uh, Bernie Sanders was. It's true. And how that movement got kind of kneecapped. I mean, I said it in the in the opening monologue. Mm-hmm. It only took, you know, no one knew how to respond. And I think that's what the caller was trying to say. When you have these identity battles and people step up like like that moment, no one felt comfortable responding because they didn't want to be called racist. Right. And that shit got weaponized. And Bernie Sanders kind of had to kowtow to that, and it didn't work out well for him, did it? Hmm. And where are those people now? So... We're going to go to the champagne room. Yes, we are. And we're going to continue this conversation. Yes, we are. We're going to add to it more insanity, as I have found more videos that I don't think Tucson has watched. I have not watched any of them. Yes. Even when you send them at three in the morning. (laughs) Time difference be damned. It's still a ridiculous time for you. I have to get content for the champagne room. I have to scour the internet for these oh-so-important clips. That's that what you tell yourself. Out. That's what you tell it yourself. It is what I tell myself. Sometimes I just look at my phone and I'm like, okay, he's on a roll. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. He's on a roll. I think I found a few good ones. If you Guess what else I found? Oh boy. What is our favorite app in the champagne room? Our favorite app? Movie app. Movie app. I was going to say Tinder. Movie app. <laughs> that is your favorite app because I've been <laughs> off that. It's been a year now. I've been clean. You've been clean a year. I've been clean a year. Right. Probably. I get lonely. I start Jones in them. I'm like, uh, yes. I have a superficial conversation with someone that'll never be with me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to drive way too far for casual intercourse. Uh. Uh. <laughs> it does start with a T. You are wrong. It is Tubi. Tubi. There is a new Tubi clip oh, that God. could easily take up the whole show. And the clip is like 15 seconds. It's oh that my amazing. Gosh. It's that amazing. 
Mark Owen said Tubi. Mark Owen, you are correct. We need to start having prizes we could give out. What? How much? How much more money do we need to be able to give out prizes? Mm-hmm. Would you mail them out if we had prizes to give out? I'd mail them. And be like, and you get a thing, and then you get a thing. Sure, why not? What's the thing we can have? If you guys have an idea of something that we can we can send out for like comment of the day. Should we do that? How about this one? Hmm. Phone lines are closed. That's a great comment. <laughs> Never t- <laughs> <laughs> the comment says never too far to drive for casual intercourse you think that now doomsday prophet but oh, cross a border you have to cross an international border i had house guests because I'm, I'm helping put together a documentary from a friend of show alexander herbert from his trip over in uh georgia in tbilisi and uh a bunch of Ukrainian punks have definitely been misplaced or displaced. The working title we're dealing with right now is punk rock nomads. They've been displaced and they're in Georgia now and uh, kind of following them around on their journey and their displacement and, and how they're holding up and how they're managing to form community in basically a whole new land. Um, it's been, it's been pretty interesting. He speaks um, Ukrainian or he speaks a few yeah. different dialects in Russia. In Russian. Because I think he got his masters out there. Jeez. Yeah. Super smart guy. Super smart. We had a lot of fun. He brought a friend with him. Um, his friend Tommy. They've been friends since they were kids. And we definitely had a lot of typical leftist conversations. Uh, it was fun. It was a fun time. Nice. But, take, but taking them over the border took three hours. Three. Three hours. And we left at 3.30 a.m. So doomsday, that's that's a commitment. Three hours. And he didn't even get to have casual sex with them. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't. That I didn't. That you didn't. I was off pegging was off limits. (laughs) Enough with the fun talk. We're going to the champagne room. You guys are gonna join us. It's very easy. And if you're listening on Apple, you can just subscribe to the show and get access to hear the hilarity that goes on in the champagne room. There's tons of champagne rooms up. You can go back and listen to old. You can listen to the champagne room that Dr. Claw was talking about. Yes, you can. On Apple. On, on the audio only. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Let me go to the end screen because Empty Sun never likes to do this. She never likes to end the show. What? Oh, yeah. You're getting called out. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, now you lost your hearing. You didn't even open your mouth to say any of those things. I. You're supposed to know. When Don't do me. that. Don't post <laughs> those back like that. Because then it looks like you're frozen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to take care of that. <laughs> All right, guys, we are out.